Welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. We're your hosts. I'm Sarah, and I'm here today with Jen and Ashley. This is Ashley. We'll chat about our Unabridged Book Club's pick of the month, recommend related books, and share our nerdy English teacher love of reading with our Unabridged highlights and with short episodes featuring targeted topics. To follow along with our schedule, visit our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hello, we are here today with one of our unabridged shorts, and it is one of my favorite topics. Some, maybe not others, but food and cookbooks. I, I just favorite. love this. I love food, but not cooking. <laughs> um, before we get started, we just want to remind you to please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on um, Apple Podcast app. Um, it helps so much for people to find our show and uh, for us to be able to do more to serve you. So hopefully, um, if you could, we would love it if you would give us a rate, review, and subscribe. So now that we have that out of the way, <laughs> I just know Jen is, when we decided to talk about this episode, talk she about, so she excited. was not, oh, wait, I no, had a brief no. freak out because I was like, I don't cook or read cookbooks <laughs> ever. For the record, I do not sit down and read cookbooks either, but I enjoy flipping through them. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, I like that's to a know from that. Jen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's get started. Who would like to start with one of their picks? Well, of course I should start, right? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I really can go. So I'll go. I'll go. Um, so mine will start with wine instead of food. Ooh. Which, which we are all big right. fans yes. of. We can all agree on yeah. that one. Yes. So um, this book is by Bianca Bosker. It's It has a long title. Cork Dork, a wine-fueled adventure among the obsessive sommeliers, big bottle hunters, and rogue scientists who taught me to live for taste. Um, So this memoir is about Bosker, who is a journalist, and she decides that it would be interesting to take a year to educate herself about wine and wine tasting and to prepare to take the sommelier test, which is insanely complicated. I had no idea how much was involved. Um, So she just talks about the process of learning how to taste wine, not just because, hey, it's a nice companion for my dinner, but because you are learning about the wine, you're learning about where it's grown and everything that goes into it. Um, She, as part of the sommelier test, she has to taste a wine be able to identify all of the ingredients, all of the flavors, all of the layers, um, identify the vineyard, where the grapes were grown, the year. I mean, down to, it it feels like this pinpoint on a map. I mean, so just the process of education that these people go through is fabulous. And her memoir is a lot of fun. Um, She (laughs) talks about decisions people make, like not brushing your teeth before, well, really at all that day, because the toothpaste can interfere with the way that you taste Mm. everything. So, yeah, so a lot of non-toothbrushing, and um, (laughs) some of it was kind of horrifying, but it was really fascinating. And while I am quite pedestrian in my wine tastes, it did make me think about 
Um, number one, how the people who know about wine are judging me when I order <laughs> at restaurants. But also number two, everything that goes into being able to recommend a good wine for someone. So I, th- I just thought it was fascinating. I knew very little going in. And so I learned a lot. And she's a great writer. So it was also just a really engaging, you know, there's reflection throughout on how it's changing her approach to life. And so that part of it was also, it, it made it a great read. I would highly recommend Cork Dork, which I also think is a great title. Yes. So. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, yeah, I would love to read about wine. It's wonderful. But although, like you said, Jen, like I don't, I don't have any ability <laughs> to distinguish or, you know, I can say whether I like something or yeah. don't like it, but it's I, certainly not sophisticated. I'm well, still always, sweet or dry. And I'm always like <laughs> a, looking at the price. Yeah. So. <laughs> when I always, when I go out to dinner and order wine, I order the same wine. It doesn't uh-huh. matter what I'm having, what the appetizer right, was, any yeah. of that. Yeah. I just order the same standard glass. Every now and again, I change depending on the season, but that is the extent (laughs) of my changing. Um, Okay, so I guess I'm thinking we should comment. We said Jen does not cook, um, and I – yeah, I'm like, we probably have to comment on how much each of us cook. Mm -hmm. Um, So my life partner um, is – when I got pregnant, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter is four and a half years old, um, and when I got pregnant the first time, both times, um, I was super, super, super sick, like – could not walk in the kitchen um and so really from the time I was pregnant with my oldest daughter um until now I do none of the cooking really um and um I but in the past like from from being quite young I have always been into cooking um and I do really love it and so I'm going to talk about some books that we've had for a long time um some cookbooks that we love but then we do have a recent one that I haven't done any of the cooking on um but that we have been enjoying recipes from so um a lot of this stuff is firsthand but some of it is um talking about things that he uses um and yeah, I thought that that is kind of relevant. But um, just generally commenting about cookbooks, um, I feel like they are something that we have tried to replace um, and do more digitally. But every time we keep coming back to wanting a hard copy of a book. Um, and so that is something that's been interesting, too, is like we have these folders online that we try to keep organized. Um, but we're always printing out those recipes. There's something about having a tangible copy of a recipe that is a big help, I think, when... Um, you know, when you're doing the cooking, it's hard to read off of your phone or an iPad or whatever to do the recipe. Um, and also, we make a lot of notes and put um, sticky notes and things to, like, mark recipes. And that's all of that stuff, I think, has been a big help with the cookbooks that we love. But I do feel like they accumulate really quickly. And then um, I'm always trying to pare down <laughs> our cookbooks. And yet, somehow, um, that is always growing. Anyway, um, one that we have loved for a long time is the Moosewood Restaurant cookbook the one that we have there moosewood has a series of cookbooks that we can link um but the one that we have and love is moosewood restaurant cooks at home these are um, fast and easy recipes for any day and i really there are a lot of recipes in here that i really love um they do a great job of having um recipes that are vegetable focused um they are there are a lot of vegetarian recipes there are a lot of recipes um with tofu and with tempeh and stuff like that and so i really love that about them um and also a lot of them are really quick and so 
that is a big plus too. I will say this cookbook does not have any pictures and generally speaking that is very important to me in a cookbook um, but I have overcome that with this one and it has been one that we've had for a long time and have really held on to um, and loved because the recipes are solid they're really good and there's a lot of variety and they're quick so yeah that's one that I love and again that's the Moosewood restaurant cooks at home but they have quite a few um, from the Moosewood collective that are all good that come from a restaurant. Well, what my first pick is um, a book. Sarah did not comment. She does a, a lot of cooking. Oh, I'm of cooking. sorry. Yeah, She's sorry, a big, sorry, big sorry. time cook. <laughs> sorry. Um, so I have always loved cooking. Um, it be, when my sister, my sister and I are three years apart, and um, I grew up um, with my grandparents right across the street from me. So when my sister was born, I often would be at my, with my grandmother, um, you know, when, when my mom was taking care of the new baby. So my grandmother would take me and do fun things with me. So I grew up cooking with her. She taught me how to make bread, like rolls. And, um, I just, I, so I've always been around food and food is like, I think I've said this before, um, on the podcast, but food is my family's love language. Mm -hmm. Like when anything happens, there's like, food and you know we we celebrate with food we mourn with food I mean we, it's just something that we do to show others that we care about them so um so I've always grown up uh cooking and baking and I just have always loved it I have to say that once I had children some of the the joy I get out of cooking um has been lessened because of the time but if yeah. I can be in the kitchen mm -hmm. with nobody talking to me and mm -hmm. um, just have as much time as I want I love to cook mm -hmm. even now um, but I my first book is called well-fed weeknights by Melissa Jewel one and this is actually a paleo cookbook um, I'm not strictly paleo but I tend to like I like lots of vegetables and I'm a pretty healthy eater so I really I have several paleo cookbooks and this one's really good um, if you've ever cooked paleo you know it t usually has a lot of ingredients and it a pretty large time commitment to to cook and chop and do all the things but I found this um, this cookbook is 45 minutes or less and a lot of them are, are way less than 45 minutes and she gives you really good tips about how to batch cook and how to uh, cook one thing and make it um, last for several different recipes and she shows you how to plan it so there's all this really good knowledge and information in it but then the recipes are so so good and actually I'll tell a small story last year I made a, a recipe out of this cookbook and I brought it to work for the leftovers to work and heated it up and both Ashley and our friend Tim they they were like that smells so good what mm -hmm. is it so I brought it so they, they wanted it right away. So there are so many good recipes, and I have not made one that I didn't like, and they're all healthy, whole food ingredients. Um, so I really like it. Yeah, I have to say that that recipe book is still in my cart, so I am planning <laughs> on getting that one. And the recipe she referred to was like beef with plantain, and it looked phenomenal yeah. <laughs> it is real it is really good and also this one does have lots and lots of pictures which for me like when Ashley said that earlier when a pic when a book cookbook doesn't have pictures mm -hmm. I'm out usually yeah. for that because I it's just, funny because the ones I'm talking about today don't have pictures but I really that is a big well two of them anyway but that's a big factor mm -hmm. for yeah. me yeah 
I want the images because that's how I can determine whether I want to mm-hmm. proceed yes, with the yeah. recipe a lot of times. Yeah. It's always that thing like they say you, that you eat, eat with your eyes first, like mm-hmm. when you yeah. get something and it appe- looks appealing. So. Yeah. I will say that I am an avid eater. <laughs> <laughs> I will also say, somewhat defensively, I can cook. Like when I was little, I was in 4-H and I always did a cooking project. So I used to cook. I just don't like to. It is not enjoyable for me. So, yeah, it was interesting because I feel like I grew up cooking and, like, I, my mom is a great cook. And my grandma was, too. And I would cook with my grandma when I stayed with her over the summer. But just didn't take. My mom kind of shakes her head because my sister doesn't like to cook either. Oh, and well, when I, I would say for us has been an evolution. Like, for a mm-hmm. long time I cooked and then we cooked together. Mm-hmm. And that still would be what I would prefer. But now I do the wrangling mm-hmm. and he does the cooking. And when I do the cooking, the problem is that – everyone is in the kitchen and it's just really difficult and I mean Mayhem does a great job of um, cooking with the girls Mm -hmm. and they do tons of things in there and it is awesome I find it really stressful so Mm -hmm. he manages that really well and they don't do everything together but they will do like pizza or um, cookies or they do lots of things with bread he makes a lot of bread and he managed that really well but it is hard for me like if I'm in the kitchen and I'm cooking I want to be able to focus on the cooking Mm -hmm. and so that has um, I still enjoy it and my oldest is getting old enough now to where she can do stuff with me and it is fun Mm -hmm. but I'm not quite there yet so but yeah it's it's just interesting yeah. Anyway, um, so I do want to mention a book quickly. I'm not going to talk about it a lot because it has been a long time since I read it. But Eric Schlosser's Fast Food Nation, The Dark Side of the All-American Meal, um, was a fascinating nonfiction read that's looking at the system behind fast food um, and the fast food industry and the corruption that kind of trails behind it. So, again, I don't have a lot of details because it's probably been 10 years. I don't remember what year it came out. But um, – I'm looking for a year. Anyway, um, that was an interesting read if you just want to look at that. So, okay, so my next official recommendation (laughs) is another memoir. This is Julie Powell's Julie and Julia, 365 Days, 524 Recipes, One Tiny Apartment Kitchen. Um, I saw the movie of this first, and in the movie – I much preferred the Julia part, which is about Julia Child. Meryl Streep plays Julia Child in the movie and I thought that part was fascinating and I did not so much love the Julie part which is about a modern woman who decides that she is going to go through Julia Child's entire cookbook and cook every recipe in it over a year and blog about it this was when blogs were sort of beginning Um, and that part in the movie the Julie part I did not find fascinating but I thought the Julia stuff was I mean Julia Child led this amazing life Um, in the book which I listened to Um, I really liked both parts equally. I thought that Julie um, Powell, the author, did a great job describing. She was just kind of at a down place in her life, and she needed kind of a goal and something to get herself moving. And so this goal became a centering, uh, kind of a center for her and helped her focus on on reflecting through her blog on her life and also, of course, on the recipes and just gave her sort of markers to hit so that she felt like, so that she was productive. And I thought that in the book, I've heard the criticism that she is whiny and I didn't find that at all. I thought that she was quite sympathetic. um, And so I, I really enjoyed both portions of the book a lot. So that is Julie and Julia. 365 days, 524 recipes, one tiny apartment kitchen. 
Sounds awesome. I would love to read that. I really like that. And that's what I'd like to read, Fast Food Nation. I never did read that Mm -hmm. one, but I have heard such good things about it. Um, I realize I have a lot to say about food. Um, I could (laughs) talk about this for a long time. I'm going to try to rein it in. Um, I will, while we are not recommending, but recommending, um, (laughs) in in the vein of mentioning, um, I have, we we lived in Japan um, several years ago, and so I have three cookbooks from there that I absolutely love. Um, It was such a joy to learn about Japanese cooking and to um, work to learn how to make those things. I mean, we just, that was a really great part of um, being in Japan was learning about the food and how to prepare it. Um, But those were hard to find as far as linking. And so I just didn't know if if I talk about them and people would be able to access them. Um, But anyway, those are What's Cooking in Japan. Um, And then there's another one that's Bento Boxes, Japanese Meals on the Go. And I love that. I get a lot of um, ideas of things to prepare for lunches in there. Um, And so that's really nice. And then finally, Japanese homestyle cooking is the third. And I really, all three of those, we um, got in Japan, but have used since then and really loved them. Um, but the one I wanted to talk about, I felt needed a, a preamble of sorts. And so I was like, man, I have a lot to say about these things. We do have an Instant Pot. Um, we had a big debate about that. Um, I we, It comes up on the podcast a lot that I try to stay on the minimal side of things and so kitchen gadgets are something that can very easily get out of control Mm -hmm. um, because there's a gadget for everything and and they take up a lot of space Mm -hmm. and almost always the gadgets are useful Mm -hmm. but they only do one function typically and so um you know we're always weighing whether to have the gadget that does the nice thing or um you know make do without it which of course is totally manageable um, and so we really went back and forth on the Instant Pot, and I have to say that I am team Instant Pot all the way, <laughs> um, just because I love crock pots, but the thing for us with young kids is that if I have not made the package, like if I have not put together all the ingredients and frozen it in the freezer, we just can't do it. We can't get it done the night before. We can't get it done in the morning for it to cook all day, and so I do sometimes do bulk of lots of recipes and freeze them. Um, and so that works for us. But the, otherwise, we're not using our crock pot very often. Um, whereas the Instant Pot, we can come home. We can do it in the evening. It cooks it very quickly, but it does have that similar effect of once everything is in there, it just does the thing. And um, the results are pretty good. So um, one the, a new cookbook that we have that we're excited about, we have several Instant Pot cookbooks. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> they just grow like weeds. Um, and every time I look, there are new cookbooks. But anyway... Um, one that we have is the Essential Indian Instant Pot Cookbook, and we've only done a few of the recipes so far, but they have been amazing. So um, I'm excited about this cookbook, and it is gorgeous um, and has really lovely illustrations, um, and the sections are great. And I have found that you know a lot of the recipes that we've done that have been Indian recipes in the Instant Pot have just been hugely successful, delicious, and quick to make. So, yeah, that's one we're excited to have in our lives. Yum. I'm going to be hungry by the end of this <laughs> podcast. And since everybody else took the liberty of mentioning, yes. mentioning some non-picks that are actually picks, I will do the same. <laughs> Apparently um, we have a lot of 
lot to say about food. Well, Who knew? I knew I did. <laughs> I'm the one that wanted to do this episode. So I knew that I, that I had plenty to say. Um, but I there was there's a memoir that I read. I love food memoirs, and um, I actually have a couple on my shelf that I'm or my TBR that I haven't read, but I'm excited to read. Um, but one that I read that um, that I just love so much is Tender at the Bone by Ruth Reichel. Mm. Uh, it is great. I've heard that's really good. But it has been several, several, several years since I've read it. So I, so the um, the details are pretty fuzzy. So that's why I didn't do it as a pick. But it is really good. It has recipes. But I mean, she had she she's like an editor of Gourmet Magazine. Um, she had this really some traumatic things happening in her childhood and it, it just tells about her evolution into who she is today mm-hmm. and I just thought it was great so that's one and the other one that is um, so it's compelling but also frightening is The Omnivore's Dilemma by mm-hmm. Michael Pollan I want to read um, that and I've, I read that a little bit because it just it scares me about mm-hmm. our food mm-hmm. and how our food is you know, manufactured now, and so it is really good, but it, I have to read it in small doses, mm-hmm, yeah. but it's really good. But anyway, now to my real pick. <laughs> I had to jump on if everybody else yes. got extra picks. Get on the train. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually think I've mentioned this one on the podcast before, but it's been in some of our one of our early episodes, so I thought it was worth a mention again because I just love it so much. Um, it's called Make the Bed, not Make the <laughs> do that too words are hard today (laughs) but it is not called make the bed (laughs) we could have another episode where we talk about that and the pros and cons all right it is called and action make the bread by the (laughs) (laughs) all right make the Make the bread by the butter, what you should and shouldn't cook from scratch to save time and money by Jennifer Reese. Yes. <laughs> oh, I got I it. I am totally right <laughs> So what is really awesome about this book, it is, it is feel, filled with recipes, but it's also filled with um, narrative about this woman who um, she lost her job. That was a pretty lucrative job. She lost it. And she basically went on this quest to um, do food experiments to see what she could make, uh, what was more cost-effective, more taste-effective, to um, make versus buy. So that's kind of the reason the book's called Make the Bread by the Butter. Um, it tells So you should make your be- bread. <laughs> make your bread. I am struggling with that word. Sarah but, also wants us to make our bed. I know. Also make your bed. But... Also make the bread, <laughs> um, but buy the butter because she, and she did everything. I mean, it talks about her making yogurt and cream cheese and all these things that you we consider staples and often buy at the store. She tried it all out. And so it gives the recipes for the, for all the things she tried. It talks about her experience, but it also has some memoir in there and talks about her, um, not only her experience with the food experiment that she was doing, but also, um, what, what kind of what drove her to do that, and just some things about her life, uh, and it's re- I mean it's it's just really interesting. I just really like this book. It's not um, it's like a square book, you know. It's mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's just a really interesting book, and I think it's a really um, novel concept mm-hmm. to do, and I would really recommend it. So. That one sounds great, great too. Like <laughs> I'm interested in. I think that's a debate that we have mm-hmm. a lot as like what is worth pursuing making yourself 
for whatever reason because it's more cost effective because it tastes better Mm -hmm. whatever versus what to just keep buying as a staple yeah Mm -hmm. and i mean i think that she's really honest too about Mm it um and you know she so i don't know i just really like it i would say it looks very appealing to me even though i will not be making anything (laughs) it looks it's a it's a nice looking book like i do like the square thing i don't know anyway and it's uh and it's a book that you remember back way back and just in um the over the holidays when we talked about books that you could pick up and read a little bit Mm -hmm. of and then put down this is that kind of book Mm -hmm. you it's Mm -hmm. so it's not really short stories but it's like you can pick up and read something about a recipe and then her little um piece of narrative and then put it down and not come back to it but still be able to Mm -hmm. jump right back in so that's another good thing about it it's not something that you have to read from cover to cover all right so my last my really last pick um (laughs) is another memoir um this is elizabeth bard's lunch in paris a love story with recipes um so this one is about a woman she was born in the united states um after college she decides that she wants to go to paris for a while um, she sits down with a guy, Gwendal, to a great meal, and she just stays. <laughs> she just, like, is hooked <laughs> on the guy and the food and Paris. And um, it's really – so it is a lot about food. And she has sections throughout talking about her newest experience with this new culture that she is learning And she'll have a section of recipes reflecting the meals that sort of symbolize that time in her adjustment. Um, And she'll have like little funny comments with the recipes that, yeah, so (laughs) that that was enjoyable. So I did read the recipes. Um, But it's also just, it's a lot about considering the way other countries do things and, you know, things that she took for granted that everyone in the world does she quickly came to understand that, no, that is a uniquely American way to do things and that there is another way that, you know, maybe better may not be, but is just different. And so watching her through the novel, or not through the novel, through the memoir, consider just these new approaches to life and to, I don't know, body type and to how you live in the world. It was really interesting. It was, it was, I would say it's a light read overall, though some heavy things do happen in it because it covers several years. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed it. A friend had loaned it to me, and quite honestly, when she handed it to me, I mean, again, recipes, I was like, oh my gosh. But I really enjoyed it and thought it was a great read. So that is Elizabeth Bard's Lunch in Paris, a love story with recipes. I, I really want to read that. I think I saw, you would like it a lot. Yeah, it well, I saw great. it in a used bookstore uh, w- with my sister, and I didn't buy it, and then I couldn't remember the name of it. I only remember the cover. And then randomly, when Jen read it, she posted it on Instagram, and I said, that's the book I've been looking for because I have searched Google for it. So I'm grateful that it is Yay. forever recorded on your Instagram that's account. Right. I, really, I really do think that you would like it. it <laughs> um, okay, my last – the last – cookbook that I would like to talk about um, is The Joy of Cooking. And I um, feel like this is, so again, I cooked from an early age um, and I cooked by myself from, you know, pretty early in my teen years for sure. Um, And I was not interested, my mom had this book and I was not interested in it at all. Um, It is gigantic. It has no images um, and it has lots of like paragraphs in addition to the recipes. Um, And so... 
yeah, not very inviting. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so I never used it. And then um, when, I think it was when we got married. Anyway, at some point, one of my friends gave me a new version of the cookbook. So they have updated this frequently. I was trying to see, I think this one is from 2006. Um, and that made a huge difference because the types of recipes that are in there um, are much more um, international. There's a lot more um, just like different types of food. So I think that, you know, now um, this is really our go-to when we are trying to um, find out about how to do something um, that we haven't done in the kitchen before. This is where we go first. Um, And I mean, the recipes are not always like we do have other cookbooks that, like I said, about the moosewood where the recipes are consistently pretty quick. I have res- I have cookbooks that I like because I know um, that you know it's going to be a quick recipe or a few ingredients or that kind of thing. The joy of cooking is not like that, but every recipe we've made from here is great, um, and they are always the place to go to find out how to do something, like what um, different parts of the animal are um, and how to prepare them, um, and you know how to make different kinds of sauces. So, like when we started getting, we do a CSA in the summer, and so we get a lot of vegetables that we are not. Um, in the past, we hadn't, we didn't purchase ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, figuring out what to do with those. This is the book that we use for all of that. So then I really do feel like if you're thinking about um, having cookbooks, but not wanting to have tons and tons and tons of different ones, because again, this is the problem with both the cookbooks and the gadgets in the kitchen is it's just easy to wind up with a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, that This one just covers such an array of things and is it's a staple. Um, and it is one that we've come back to again and again. And like I said, they're not always short. It's not always simple ingredients but the recipes are always good and um, thorough and I feel like I can read them and know what to do Mm -hmm. and what to make so that's how we've learned how to make things like tomato sauce and meatballs and stuff like that that's come from here so yeah so again that's the joy of cooking which I know is a staple um, in people's kitchens but I think I didn't realize until I got the updated one that of course they do lots of additions and the newer additions I think really reflect um, you know today's cooking as opposed to the cooking from the 1950s (laughs) which has changed some so yeah well it's interesting um, you've mentioned a couple times about the cookbooks accumulating and a while back I was like I just use I'll just use the internet because it, I had mm-hmm. all these cookbooks taking up space on my shelf on my bookshelves so I kind of did a purge and got rid of them and I think we're back up to like 12 cookbooks I still do I still because... I feel like I've purged multiple times but I really think it is something that hasn't we haven't found a method to replicate digitally mm-hmm. and it's just it's a nice way to get fresh ideas yeah is to get a new cookbook and then if you find one you like I mean I do think we've had some duds so yeah. we've bought some that then we don't like the cookbook and then that piles up but I think when you get one that you like mm-hmm. then that's totally worth it mm-hmm. I agree because sometimes you don't know what you're looking you know you right. can't type in the recipe that you want to right. make because you don't know what it is so and we just get in rut through it yeah it's like you need a new yeah a new cookbook to have that and I mean for a long time I had the southern living magazine for a long time and mm-hmm. they have great recipes but that was more bothersome to me as far mm-hmm. as the accumulation and trying to like go through and do something with the recipes and put them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that was more of a burden. Whereas like I'd rather just a couple of times a year find a cookbook that mm-hmm. we really like. Yeah. Um, so my last book, uh, cookbook is the Whole Smith's Good Food Cookbook, Delicious Real Food Recipes to Cook All Year Long. I really debated because I have um, found several cookbooks in the last probably two or three years that I just really 
love and I go to for uh, always. They're my go-to. Um, so I went ahead and went with this one because what I like about this, this is by Michelle Smith. Um, she is a food blogger, um, whole food living um, person, but she's a mom and um, she's really active on Instagram and she she just seems really down to earth to me. So I, I just really like her mm-hmm. as a, as a, a personality. So um, her, but her cookbook is full of really pretty easy recipes that have nutritious ingredients and um, they're really easy to make. And I've made several and um, my son's super picky. He eats like five things, so we won't count him, but the rest of my family, <laughs> not that he doesn't count, but just that we won't yes. count him in this um, the pole anecdote, yeah. <laughs> but my husband and my daughter both loved what I made. And, um, there are some things that are just strictly vegetarian and we didn't really miss the meat. Um, there's other stuff that does have, um, meat in it, but it's, it's just a really good, well-rounded cookbook. It has snacks and all, all kinds of things and beautiful pictures. And I just think it's a really well-rounded cookbook for family mm-hmm. and, um, busy moms that they, if you really want to, um, hone in on whole food and nutritious food and that type of thing. So that's the Whole Smith's Good Food Cookbook, Delicious Real Food Recipes to Cook All Year Long by Michelle Smith. So I think, I think actually that we could talk about this longer, but (laughs) we're going to cut ourselves off and um, we hope you've enjoyed us discussing all of these great books about food and cookbooks. Uh, we hope that you will share with us on Instagram some of your favorites. And I have to say, um, I don't only read book. I don't only gravitate toward books like we talked about today about food, but I enjoy books like that are set in a bake bakery mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. that have food as a central element in the plot. Mm-hmm. So um, if you have those recommendations, I'm sure we would love to hear those too. Uh, don't forget, rate, subscribe review on iTunes. That is the single thing that you can do for us that will help us so much. So please do that. And thanks for listening today. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We would love to hear them. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, on Instagram and Twitter at UnabridgedPod, or on the web at unabridgedpod.com, or on our Patreon page. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light. Many thanks to Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer, and Tim Rieger, our videographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.